Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. On today's episode of the Rennie Podcast, we're happy to have Joseph Nakla, the founder and CEO of Tribe, a Vancouver-based property management company, which is revolutionizing the way we think about and approach property management. Joseph founded Bazinga in 2012, which is the world's first cloud-based platform designed to improve the experience of community living. And from there, in 2017, Tribe was born. Welcome, Joseph. It's nice to have you here today. It's so nice to be with you. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, of course. So let's talk about Tribe. How did we go from Bazinga to Tribe? Yeah, that's a great question. We we built Bazinga in 2012 really as a SaaS company, as a, which is software as a service. Really, intent was to create a pure technology company that builds technology that can be used where condos and communities are created. Uh, really focus on digitizing all the units, the homes, the um, the actual building itself, the amenities. And then we started to have quite a bit of success. We started to deploy our technology with a number of developers here in, uh, in Vancouver. And then we actually expanded into Alberta and then Ontario. And we ended up with more than 60 plus developers and more than 100,000 homes wow. and condos that were being built on our technology. And as a part of the transition from the hands of the uh, of the developer and the marketing team that's selling the units, and as we approach and get closer to the completion and people start moving into the units, many of our uh, features in the building would actually come into play. For example, you know, booking the elevator, booking amenities, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And we needed to start interacting and interfacing with the property management companies at that time. And uh, just like anything, you know, there's some good examples and some less than stellar examples. Right. And we started to watch and we were, were empowered with a lot of data about how our platform was being used in these communities. And we saw some amazing examples of how property managers were using our technology. And we we also saw examples where a lot of efficiencies can be offered. So 2017, we sat down, looked at all the data and looked at all the opportunities. We felt that we had a an unsaid view of how property management can occur. So we decided to uh, create a small uh, property management division mm-hmm. and we called it tribe because we didn't want to confuse the street and and our users because it was very local to vancouver to start with and uh fast forward uh, january 2018 we we had about three or four thousand condos our homes under management and as of wow. today we've got almost forty thousand under management that's great and how did the whole concept of, of tribe um, in itself, I, I know that it's the whole purpose of it and the whole um, the whole mission behind it is to bring communities together. How did that concept come about? Yeah, um, well, it, it started really with where I grew up. Um, I, I, uh, I grew up in, in a city called Alexandria in Egypt. And um, it's a, a, as a family, we were lower middle class family, you had a wonderful childhood, um, but really lived in one of those concrete buildings. It was two stories and mm-hmm. five homes in it and everybody knew everybody and mm-hmm. and there was a really incredible sense of connectivity between us families in this in this community that we were living in and it was very tiny 
And uh, we just leaned on each other. And um, me and my family immigrated to Canada in 1989, aging myself here. <laughs> my baby little sister who was four years old, was with us, and uh, myself and mom and dad. And when we first came to Vancouver, we, again, didn't have a whole lot. So, we, you know, in Surrey, living in a basement suite. And, and um, just uh, was pretty evident to me as a teenager at the time that it was a little bit more difficult to make connectivity between us and our neighbors of course there's language barriers but there's also walls and 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 there's a i felt i missed a sense of community i always stayed in the back of my mind and you know i went to school and played sports and mm -hmm. made friends and and then i thought okay this would must have been a unique immigrant experience for me and then you know as i got older um i uh, you know just by way of doing business in different markets i ended up you know interfacing with a lot of uh, real estate developers and people that live in city in downtown core or what have you and it seemed to be a constant complaint everybody complained about mm -hmm, yeah. uh, vancouver being a cold city and they were in reference in the temperature they were always talking about <laughs> um you know how come you know i grew up in on the island i come here it's a little bit difficult to connect and i always took kind of a note of that i didn't know what the answer was right. and um, uh, vancouver foundation did an incredible study about that exact topic, about connectivity within the city, about Vancouver, and why is it that we don't know our neighbors? And I always wondered if technology can play a role, um, and uh, you know, in, in connecting neighbors together and creating human capital, and and uh, by way of neighborhoods. And um, when I got an opportunity after my last company um, to create something from scratch, I thought, how cool would it be to create? technology that's just really specific to connecting neighbors and if mm -hmm. you look at condos what really is the common thread between all these homes that are next to each other is the is the stratified nature of that and uh, how do we solve that how do we connect how do we create a social layer on top so that's that's how it all came about long-winded answer but it's uh, it's how we landed in a place where we wanted to create software to connect these units together that's great. And just going back to that, just understanding what, you know, strata housing is and why property management is such an important role in this aspect. What would you say um, has been the me the key factors to, to the success of Tribe today? Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise to any of us that live within within British Columbia that we are becoming a lot more densified. This is mm -hmm. this is a trend that's obviously been occurring all over the world, and in the last 25, 30 years, we're seeing more and more of it here in in downtown core of Vancouver or the downtown core of even Toronto. Um, this densification is resulting in us. Uh, having to learn to live together and reach, you know, uh, a level of agreements. And as you would know, there is a high level of regulation that actually uh, uh, governs how we live together in these communities. Mm -hmm. And actually, that's uh, I know a lot of people complain about the level of regulation and the amount of, uh, of laws and bylaws that they have to live within. <laughs> yes. But I would give the Canadian government... And in this case, the Real Estate Council and the Real Estate Act, uh, some credit for at least trying to anticipate issues of how mm -hmm. people can live together and the common interests between them. So fast forward, you know, a lot of these communities, a lot of these people, uh, less communities created, a lot of these people that have always lived in single family homes are now living in these buildings. Now they got to learn what these laws and bylaws are and, 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 and coexist between each other. 
And uh, obviously what they really need is a property management company to come in and, and help them navigate through it. Um, so this is not new. This has been going on. And prior to mm -hmm. Tribe, there's always been property management companies. What's mm -hmm. probably most unique about us is A, we're technology enabled. So we do like to digitize things so things don't fall through the cracks, whether it's communication or history or data. Um, but the second thing is, as you may know, our, our tagline is community management with heart. And uh, that is a cultural thing versus a, an operational thing. I mean, it, it manifests its way in, in everything we do. And it's it's this concept. I don't think it's a noble concept or, or a new concept, but it's certainly an important concept, which is these these people live in homes and these homes are the, arguably the, where they want to be um, safe and secure. And in, in our case here in in Canada, arguably, that it's the most expensive investment any of us will make, or most of us will make. So um, we really should be attentive to their needs and really give them advice that's good for, for this community to be taken care of in the future. I like to think if you spoke to any of our um, clients or any of the uh, homeowners that live in our communities, that they would know that or would tell you that we absolutely take our motto of community management with heart to to its fullest and we really try to give them the best advice while we're we're also taking care of the of the whole not just the one yeah so what would you say would be the key things that sets you guys apart from other property management companies besides the technology aspect yeah so obviously what the technology really does is it forces your hand to get as close to to replicating the good outcome mm -hmm. as possible and i think i think that probably would would be the crux of what we're set up to do very very often or well, i would say maybe i'll put it a different way very seldomly do we see a problem in the community that hasn't come across us before right right so so the question becomes okay well do we reinvent that solution or do we lean on something that we have so so technology does play a role there and of course that comes with also the opportunity to predict potential problems in the mm -hmm. community and again i'm not referencing in this case social problems i'm referencing right. specifically logistical problems or or infrastructure problems within the community and we have enough data to be able to start kind of applying some of these concepts to to predict a potential issue, give the council a heads up that this is something that they may want to want to reference uh, or or at least contemplate. And then finally, and this is something um, maybe due to our size now because we're operating nationally and we have seven offices mm -hmm. across the country. One of the big benefits of our larger size is our ability to to. Uh, leverage basically uh, our group buying power on behalf of our communities or our behalf of our home owners and that's a really big area that we're kind of building more and more of and uh, you know when arguably the most obvious example would be insurance as an example right you know condo insurance is very very much underpenetrated 60 percent of condos in canada are either not insured mm -hmm. or underinsured Wow, that's a yeah. ridiculously that's, big number when you yeah. consider you cannot get it in any car and drive it without insurance. Exactly. And, you know, it could, it could be a $2,000 car and you cannot drive it without insurance. Yeah, you could have a $2 million condo and it's not not insured, which is obviously a big risk. Why do you think that is? Great question. Um, we've, we've done a lot of studies or I've read a lot of studies that we've done our own kind of non-scientific uh, mm -hmm. surveys and... 
our answers come in a couple of, well, first of all, it's never the price. I can tell <laughs> yeah. you that right now. Nobody owns a condo is thinking insurance for this condo is too expensive because it's not. It's <laughs> as little as $25, $30 a month. So yeah. it's not a very expensive thing when you consider the cost of housing. So it's not that. What it is, is number one, they actually don't know that they need it. They actually think because the condo corporation or the strata has insurance right. that means they have insurance which yes. obviously they do not and they they are god forbid if there's a, a a leak or an issue on the condo that affects the building they are responsible for the deductible of the building mm -hmm. so that's number one is they do not know and number two they sort of know they need to get it and then they pick up the phone or <laughs> go somewhere and they ask oh can you give me a quote and then the person will say to them well can you tell me what year it was built? How is it concrete? Is it wood? Is it this? Is it that? What's the square yes. footage? And they're like, oh gosh. And they just don't know most of the answers. I'll get to it. And they just, mm -hmm. and they never get around to it. So these are, these are a good example of, of something that technology can actually do heavy lifting on. Meaning, right. um, A, let's educate the homeowner and mm -hmm. let them know that they need condo insurance. It's actually good for them. So we do that as an example on the platform. And number two, let's make it easy for them because we have a lot of answers to these questions. We know yes. the square footage of the unit. We know the age. We know all the issues. Why don't you just, with your permission, Mr. Homeowner or Mrs. Homeowner, why don't you just click of a button? We'll go get you two or three or four codes. And at least you can make a decision which which policy is best suited for you. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a great example of how our technology can differentiate. Um, through the pandemic is another example. A lot of people went from, you know, sleeping eight hours in their condo and the rest of the time they're out. This, we saw this even exceptionally uh, more prevalent in, in, in um, Toronto. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's people that just had a condo, tiny, and they just slept in it. And the rest of the day they're out and about working and, and you know having you know going for dinner with their friends and what have you and then the pandemic hits and all of a sudden people now are confined to their condos for you know 24 hours <laughs> and actually realizing oh maybe i have amenities here well how do i use the amenities what are the rules around the amenities right how do we navigate through covid and you know if i want to use the gym so we saw a significant amount of uptake in our technology between communication so homeowners can communicate together and neighbors can actually have a, a, a pulse of connectivity while yeah. they're all stuck in their homes. But also, you know, we started, you know, giving best practices. Hey, guys, if you have a gym, here's a good way for you to do it. Here's how you can book it up. Here's how people you can use the technology to let us know that they wiped it and cleaned it. And yeah. or maybe the concierge did that for them. And now it's available to be used again. And here's best practice. And here's some good way for you to do some exercises in your own unit. And I can go on, but there's so many interesting examples mm -hmm. when you give, uh, when our technology was able to give people voices, they can give each other recommendations, ideas, and kind of navigate through the tough times of the pandemic. So um, these are kind of unique things, obviously, to us uh, from a technology point of view, proprietary technology. Um, and then finally, one of the more unique things about us as a, as a, as a company is we also have a large institutional rental uh, division whereby we help big institutions, REITs, family offices that own big buildings, um, and we help manage these communities for them. And I mm -hmm. only uh, that's not unique to us, but I bring that up because we actually treat these communities the same way we treat the condo communities, even though they're tenants and they're in and out, they don't own the unit. Mm -hmm. We invest heavily to try to create a sense of coming home and a sense of community even within transient tenants and we think that not only enriches the community itself but we also think it actually is good business for our 
you know, uh, portfolio owners because mm-hmm. these people care more. Um, we continue to look for ways to make life easier. And it's really our, our you know, our, our, our uh, corporate uh, tagline is simplifying home living. And that's really a mandate that we, we constantly think about. That's a lot of information, a really great information, and all around technology, which is pretty amazing because we know technology can play a big piece in our day-to-day. But what would you say to people who are really interested in something like this but are not tech-savvy? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, having spent the last three, four minutes speaking about how technology can play a role, I'll maybe straight up say that I don't think technology is a silver bullet. I don't necessarily think technology mm-hmm. solves all problems. If anything, uh, as we all know, it could actually cause other problems. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But uh, but I will say that um, from a, our definition of technology usage, when we say that we are, you know, te- technolo- technology enabled in the community, you know, it, really the goal there is to create back office workflows that kind of, it's like an iceberg where, you know, most of our homeowners don't even get to un- get to, to deal with or interface with a lot of the back office work that we do. That's hopefully streamlining or getting them a better result quicker. Uh, I still think people should be able to pick up the phone and, yes. and call us and open a ticket or let us know about something that they need. I still think um, there are moments, and obviously, as long as you're you're not stuck in and in, in operating in a city or uh, where, where there's a lockdown, but there's face to face is still important. Mm-hmm. And if anything, to be honest with you. And it's kind of ironic. Um, one of the areas I was most interested in the study that I referenced earlier, the Vancouver Foundation study, was that reference about the power of pets connecting homeowners yes. when they're walking by each other. It's kind of interesting. So the, I don't remember the exact numbers, but the point was that if there is a pet, there is a more likelihood for what I like to call human collision. I mean that in a good way. Yeah. Um, you're walking by a pet, you'll stop by, by a dog, for example. You'll stop and say, hi, what's his name? Before mm-hmm. you actually ask the neighbor what their name is, which is really interesting. It's um, like that icebreaker. It's an icebreaker. <laughs> And it seems like the company has been growing exponentially over the course of the past few years. What would you say is that metric that you, that your company uses to gauge um, the performance of Tribe and how well you guys are actually doing? Yeah, there's that's a great question. Um, traditionally, um, and we still think of ourselves as a startup, and mm-hmm. and 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 um, it's a it's a loaded definition, but. I, I like it because it keeps us on our toes. It doesn't make yeah. us get too comfortable. Um, I would say um, the ones that I actually really, <laughs> I really care about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there, there's a lot of financial metrics I care about, right. obviously. But the ones that really, really tell me if our compass is, is in the right direction or not tend to be our retention rate mm-hmm. of our um, employees and our retention rate of of our communities right because that tells me that we're we're resonating with them and we struggled when the beginning with retention rate with our employees it mm-hmm. was harder and it, than than i anticipated and uh, and it was mainly you know uh industry 
driven, right? Yeah. People don't stay in these jobs for too long because they're, they're burnout jobs, as they call them. You know, being mm -hmm. a community manager or a property manager is very hard. Nobody ever calls you to tell you how amazing you are. I mean, thankfully, it happens a lot more now <laughs> than it used to. But but really, traditionally, usually people are calling you or opening a ticket for, for problems, right? Yes. So there's, there's a high level of burnout, a lack of balance, especially if you're working for a traditional company and uh, you don't have... You know, you're, you're, you're 24 seven, you're always on, your phone is always ringing, you're doing night meetings for these councils. So, so we looked at that quite heavily and, and we try um, to really attract a different DNA and try to fix this balance issue. I, I, I want, you know, a mom with younger kids that feels incredibly comfortable to get in her car at two o'clock in the afternoon so she can go watch her daughter play a high school soccer game mm -hmm. and not feel a guilty or abandoning her work or abandoning her communities that she's helping or anything like that. So technology can play a role there. Um, so that's an important metric for us, retention. And we're, we're incredibly proud also, despite of our growth, the number of communities that stick with us and and um, so that's, a, that's an important one and, and of course um, you know uh, what they call net promoter score which i'm sure you're familiar with which is basically it's this honest pillow talk conversation <laughs> when you ask somebody uh, who's a customer of yours uh, anonymously to respond to would they recommend your service right. to their brother or sister and um, you know they say in our industry, unfortunately, anything above 50% is a win. Mm -hmm. We're hovering 78 to 82%. Still a lot of room for improvement. So what would you say is your engagement rate in your technology platform? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so we, we work in two different environments that I would uh, describe to you. One environment would be working with a developer building a brand new community mm -hmm. whereby the you know we get into the room with them at the design stage we work with them on amenities uh, and operating budgets and, and all kinds of interesting decisions that need to do that will uh, essentially at the construction stage that would would affect the way people live in these communities um, once that's done um, one of the benefits the developer gets is they get digital manuals they don't actually hand over a manual they just kind of tell people to download the app and all their information will be mm -hmm. there. And then in addition to that, we also have a technology platform um, uh, as a part of, of, of Tribe Home that addresses and manages all of the warranty uh, items. So in these communities, due to the fact that we do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of keeping the homeowner organized about all the information that's coming their way and all the warranty issues and deficiencies and so on and so forth, we we were in the high 90s like we usually tend to be about 95 96 wow. percent uh, in terms of our technology penetration in this community so that's one group that we're mm -hmm. heavily penetrated in uh, as you can imagine which leads itself to a really good place because now they're connected and and they have all the information that they need to make good decisions about their community in uh, another big component of what we do is existing communities these are communities that are traditionally managed been in the market or been operating since you know some we've seen stuff that's 50 60 years old mm -hmm. or maybe two three years old and they come to us and at that point they're going from a traditional model to our model and in this particular case we've got a bit of a sliding scale that's pretty consistent right across all of our national footprint and you know in the first 30 days will will be about maybe 40 to 50 percent penetration mm -hmm. but within about 90 to 120 days, we'll hit about 70% penetration. So seven out of 10 homes 
will be using our technology all the time, opening tickets, getting information, interacting with their neighbors. Yeah, you know, I love the idea that you keep on referencing these buildings as communities. And you speak of property managers as community managers within your company. Why the change? Why are we? Call, why is Tribe calling them community managers as opposed to property managers? Yeah, that's a, that's a, it's, a, it's close to my heart, that question. Um, look, the moment you think of yourself as a property manager, it's almost like your loyalty and your focus is on the physical asset. Mm-hmm. And while that is absolutely 100% true, you are, as a property manager, responsible for the well-being of that asset. But you're kind of forgetting what the outcome of that care is. And the outcome of that care is that the people that live in this, in this asset or in this building feel that this is home. And, and if this is a home and a whole bunch of us live in our homes, then this is our community. Um, so it's a it's a it's a lot of a lot of subconscious effort that we've 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 always constantly pushed uh, directly or indirectly to allow our staff and our own uh, people that work on site as well you know with the concierge or caretakers what have you to always remind them that it isn't purely a physical asset that they're there to take care of they're there mm-hmm. because of the the human beings in that community, the, the 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 moms, the dads, the the single parent, the elderly. These are everybody has their own challenges. And at the end of the day, if this asset is primed and working really, really, really well, then it'll take care of all these needs. And that's really the definition of community: is a bunch of homes under one roof. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about. Your fees. Let's get down to the the, <laughs> the nitty gritty here. Yes. I mean, tribe offers so much, right? How is that, you know, different and comparably with how much it would cost if you were to go with the traditional property management route versus if you were to go with tribe? Yeah, that's a that's a good question, and I, I'll take I'll take I'll certainly answer the question specifically, but I just want to maybe take an opportunity like this to educate the listeners yeah. a little bit more on how fees in condos work, and I think that's a that's a big area of opportunity from a learning point of view, an education point of view. So, um, and I, I, I always smile because I'll be speaking to somebody and, uh, you know, I'll always ask, oh, well, tell me about your property management experience. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, well, yeah, I live in this building and, you know, I have a building somewhere or I own uh, a unit in a building somewhere. And, you know, you won't believe it. I pay $800 to this mm-hmm. property management company and they just do nothing. And I go, okay, well, tell me more. And the more I unpack it, the more I understand. So so I'll start by kind of maybe laying out how the financial dynamics of a community yeah. operates, especially on the condo side. And and I think that's a really important thing. Um, in a brand new community, what happens is a developer will come out and work and sit with a company like us, in our case, a Tribe. And they will say, look, these are all the amenities we're building. This is the square footage. This is the size of the units. This is all the aspects we're thinking of introducing here. What is realistic in terms of maintenance fees to take care and maintain this community? And then it starts, and you, you, you would appreciate this, uh, especially with um, an incredibly successful firm like, like Rennie, in terms of planning for the future and designing for the future. Um, you really need to be thinking three, 
four, five years forward, mm -hmm. right? So, so now you go, okay, well, this is all the assets. This is what it will take to, to maintain it. So a company like us will come in and will design this big spreadsheets of all, every line item of an expense. And then we'll take all that, those expenses and we will try to nav navigate through the best decisions to help the developer. What are, what's, what equipment is arguably going to be more reliable for the community and, and so on and so forth. And then it works out to be, take it all and divide it by square footage and it comes down to this number per square foot, mm -hmm. right? Number of pennies per square foot. And within that long list, let's simplify it. Let's say it's a thousand square feet and let's say it's $500 a month in maintenance fee, okay? Within that line out of the $500 maintenance fee, you're probably paying your property management company $25. Wow. Out of the 500. Okay, so 475 out of the 500 is being spent for everything else that's you know yeah. potential utility common areas mm -hmm. uh, maintenance uh, landscaping and so on so for garbage waste all that good good uh, important stuff that has to get done every every day so you know the question becomes well how do these how are these decisions made well these if each one of those contracts and let's say it's a landscaping contract or or waste management contract you bring all these contracts and you get two or three quotes and you put them in front of the councils and you give them advice and they choose what is best for them it could be could be price sensitive it could mm -hmm. be service sensitive whatever the case may be and then all these but these decisions actually are not made by the property management company they're actually these all these financial decisions are made by the councils and yeah. those and in addition to property management companies responsible to pay these things on behalf of the communities they're also responsible for collecting the 500 dollars from every from every condo. And I think that's where the confusion comes is because they kind of look at their, you know, everybody looks at their account and they see, oh, $500 got pulled out by Tribe. So right. I just paid Tribe $500. Where in reality, Tribe is actually pulling the money and put them in what's called a trust account on behalf of the community. And that account is, over, the oversight of that account is between Tribe and the councils or the, or the strata. And all the money that gets spent is through them. So all that being said, let me answer your question specifically. <laughs> now that you know that it's, you know, depending on the size of the community, what have you, um, it is, you know, let's say $20, $25, $30 per home is what they pay a month for maintenance fees. Uh, that it goes to the property management company. The rest goes for, for the actual work. We tend, we being tribe tend to be in the neighborhood of the traditional property management companies. So you might be thinking, well, how is that possible? You're adding so much more technology. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I know that might be a surprise to a lot of people. And the truth is we don't necessarily think because we are adding a lot of the technology for the community. That means we have to be charging more. Um, the reason we think the way we are able to justify it economically for us is because we're a lot more efficient. Right. Technology allows us to be more efficient. So our over, so, you know, there's a, I won't geek out on, on accounting with you, but there's a, a line item in property management, it's called gross margin. I mean, it's a line item in every company, but our gross margin, when we have cost of goods, our cost of goods are a little bit less than a traditional property management company. So allows us to, and due to our scale, allows us to render the, this higher level service mm -hmm. at a very much a cost effective way. But another area that I think we bring a lot of value in is uh, two more areas that actually economically affect the homeowner. One is the more data we have about the community, the more we're able to let the, 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 the councils make better decisions about 
um, the costs, to bring their costs within line. We even have a benchmark artificial intelligence tool that can let the councils know how their spend is per square foot per item versus other similar communities in the in, in the city, which I think goes a long way in bringing the peace of mind to to action, you know, cost saving um, opportunities. So so if anybody ever complains about their their maintenance fees continuously going up, 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 up. Again, I want everybody to understand that's not the property management company <laughs> taking more money and put in their pocket. It is. It just means that the cost of maintenance of the community continues to rise up. And um, we are aggregating and curating as many really, really interesting solutions for the homeowners uh, to take advantage of. That's great. So let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about the future of property management. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I often think of what the future of property management looks like. And uh, it's it's multiple buckets that I, I, I hope we all pay attention to and, and make investments in. Um, one is people. Um, you know, you look at traditional property management companies and you see a lot of... Um, people that are kind of reaching the end of, of their careers as it pertains to, you know, they've been at it for a long time and um, we don't have enough younger people coming into the industry. It's not as, as desirable as I would, um, I would like for it to be. And I think it's mainly due to the, the burnout that we referenced earlier. And um, I'd like to think we're making a dent into that. I think, um, I think our profile of our hire as an organization and our community managers and what we call community coordinators or community accountants or anybody that's kind of within the, the, the life cycle of the service delivery, they're younger and mm-hmm. they actually are curious about the space and they have so much to offer in terms of, you know, empathy and care and actually genuine community uh, value driven people that were very, very scared to contemplate property management before, but we're giving them a different way of looking at it. And I think if we continue doing a good job as an organization, we will continue to attract that younger new generation to come in that has a lot, so much to offer energy and ideas and open mindedness. So I think, I think that's on the people side. I see that as, as, as a future on the, on the real estate development side. Uh, I think it's twofold. One is um, the developers are starting to pay attention to these no longer just buildings, they're communities. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about selling and moving on. There's an element of a legacy left behind yes. that I'm I'm so glad to, to be seeing more and more of. And this legacy means, you know, I want, you know, maybe when I'm a developer and while I'm well gone and, you know, 50 years later, somebody goes, oh, I live in that community. What an amazing community. How amazing of a thought that mm-hmm. would be from a legacy to leave behind. And and I think that is translating into property management companies brought into this, this, this design phase a lot earlier. And I'm not just saying that because I'm saying that at any office, but I... I think I think uh, project marketing at Rennie does that incredibly well, and, and and I know when we have been invited in specific projects where it makes sense for a tribe to be involved, and and you sit with the developer and you sit with the design team, and you can see there's actual genuine value in the mm-hmm. data we're bringing about how this community will not only just be um, perceived at the sales level, but also lived in five years from now. And then the second 
component of the developer design is allowing technology to come in early for future convenience. And again, I just reference, it's funny, I, I was saying to this somebody earlier, I said, you know, just think of how you currently live, you know, click of a button, Uber comes and picks you up, drops mm -hmm. you off. And while you're on the way, you want to eat something. So you click on skip the dishes. And by the time you get home, skip the dishes, delivery is there. And then you want to book your, your, you want to book an amenity. And all of a sudden you're like, I got to call somebody and they're asking me to fax in a, a piece <laughs> of paper. And once I fax it in, they ask me to drop off a check, but the, I don't have a concierge. So I don't know who to give the check to yeah. avoid check. And no, I'm exaggerating, but it's not too far off the truth actually in many, many communities. So, so, you know, how do we get to that 21st you know, century interaction and um, a big Big part of that is a developer who's savvy enough, smart enough to contemplate putting a, you know, at bare minimum, a internet backbone into the building, right? Mm -hmm. And if that building is, is is can be can have an internet backbone, it can be smart. It's not just only try products that can go in. It's most importantly, you know, water detection products, submetering products, uh, uh, more interesting products that can can communicate. Uh, you know uh, trends of usage in the building and can make recommendations to the building to be more efficient and lower its its uh, its footprint carbon footprint as an example this is not stuff that's going to be coming in 50 years this is stuff that's here and it just needs to get a little bit to the front page so the future of property management maybe if we geek out for a second would look like a whole bunch of artificial intelligence that can predict problems in the community in the mm -hmm. building before it actually occurs it gives us a lot of dashboards gives a, gives each, each individual homeowner visibility on the on the footprint the carpet footprint on their ways they can actually lower their expenses and and um, and, and get more connectivity and maybe just maybe our our brain cells that are being burned currently worrying about all that is <laughs> strata and complications and fighting and arguing all that stuff goes away and we just focus on being communities and, and, and connectivity between neighbors. That would be a perfect uh, version of, of what tomorrow's property management can play a role in. And I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to kindness. We all have to mm -hmm. be kind to each other. We have to remember that we, we do our best. And, and that's an area that, if anything that warms my heart, is when I see somebody that does write a, a, a kind note. Yeah. one of our staff and go you know what you didn't have to do this but you did this that little gesture does go a long way more than people know more yeah. than people know especially with people that do a lot of heavy lifting in terms of elevating the the feeling around you know tension like the pandemic or what have you so that's great and you shared so many great uh, tidbits and stories and insights and a lot of facts about uh, what tribe is so if somebody wanted to get to know the company a little bit better or wanted to understand what tribe is further where can they go and get more information yeah we obviously the most logical place to start would be our our corporate website uh tribetech.com uh -huh. um, and if you're really 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 specific about property management you can go to uh, tribemgmt.com uh, both places you can get to it from one to the other uh, tribetech.com will talk about all of our technology platforms and developer tools as well as our management solutions uh, tribemgmt.com is very specific to our uh, rental and uh, and uh, condo solutions and uh, can always get a hold of us we've got seven offices across the country 
very much available um, on, on our website. You can call us. We still like people. We, we, <laughs> we want to be talking to people and, uh, yes. and we, we're here to support. And uh, also lots of lots of tools on, online that hopefully can, can help people make better decisions about their communities. That's great. Thank you so much, Joseph. It was a pleasure having you here today. We're so happy to have you speak with us on this podcast, and hopefully we can have you again soon. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com. Thank you.